Five ways to raise more money at your fundraising banquet. The 139 Podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome to 139. This is the official podcast of Love Times 2. I'm excited that you're joining this podcast today because today we're going to talk about five ways to supercharge your fundraising banquet. And I think that if you're serving as a volunteer or as a producer or in any capacity with a fundraising banquet for your organization or your local ministry, uh, these are five tips that I think can really increase uh, your giving levels at that event. And maybe you are an experienced event planner and this is old school stuff to you, so I hope that you still listen and and maybe we'll uh, glean uh, some additional pointers off of this, and you might even have more tips that you want to share, uh, but if you are sort of brand new to the planning world for fundraising events, or if you feel like you're struggling and your events are just really um, not producing as you would like for them to produce, uh, this is a topic that... I think might be helpful to you. So anyways, I'm hoping that just over the course of the next few minutes as we talk about this, you'll pick up a few tips and pointers that will help you raise a whole lot more money for your ministry. So uh, now from my perspective, um, over the last three decades, I've been involved lit- literally with hundreds of different types of fundraising events, specifically uh, fundraising banquets and receptions. And those are two different animals, and we'll talk about those in future podcasts. Uh, now, some of these events have worked very well. Others have not. I mean, I've, I've done events that have completely bombed. Uh, but there are common threads that always tie the most successful events together. Now, if you're a leader, again, and you are involved with coordinating a fundraising dinner for your ministry, here are five top tips that I can give you for supercharging your next fundraising banquet. Okay, here we go. Number one, keep the focus on fundraising. If your event is a fundraiser, it's a fundraiser. Everything that goes into the evening should reflect this fact. Now, too many times I've seen organizations approach the fundraising aspect of a dinner as if it's something to hide or, or something that you're ashamed of. It's like there's, a, there's something dirty about it being a fundraiser. Well, honestly, the only time you should be ashamed of fundraising is when it's being done for the wrong reason or if you're not a good steward of the funds in the first place. And you know, if either of these situations apply, you shouldn't be having the event in the first place. Don't do a fundraiser if you're not using the funds right or if it's not for the right cause. Plan everything around fundraising otherwise. Don't try to just slip it in. Don't try to fool people into, well, it's a fundraiser, but we don't want you to know it's a fundraiser. I totally disagree with that philosophy. If it's a fundraiser... It should be a fundraiser. No money, no mission. Let folks know throughout the entire evening that the reason you're hosting this event is to raise money for your mission. This isn't something to be ashamed of. You're raising money for your mission. You should be upfront about it and make it the primary purpose of your event. When you fail to do that, things get blurred and you tend to have sort of just this community outreach event and you slip fundraising in at the last minute. It confuses everybody and it hurts how much funding you can raise. Tip number two, Make the appeal immediately as the speaker closes. 
I can't stress this enough. I've seen appeals done at almost every part of the program. And while I'm sure there are some exceptions to this rule, for the most part, you always want to do your appeal immediately. And I can't stress enough, immediately as the speaker closes. People will give based on emotions. Fear, anger, sadness. If your featured speaker is doing his or her job well, and let me just say, never pick a dull speaker for a fundraiser. If you put people to sleep with your speaker, you're in trouble. But if your speaker is doing the job well, your supporters should be moved emotionally in some direction. So when your speaker's done, they're either happy, they're fearful, they're angry, they're sad. You've moved them somehow with your speaker. And this is when the emotional meter in the room is at its absolute highest. This is why you do the appeal immediately after the speaker closes. Ideally, the speaker will lead into the appeal, or if they are a great speaker, and from my perspective, Cal Thomas, the syndicated columnist, is the top fundraising speaker in the pro-life world. He will actually do the appeal for you, almost 90% of it, and then someone has to close it out. There is no substitute for a powerful speaker leading into the appeal and even making a part or all of the appeal for you. Now, picture in your mind if you had an emotion meter in the room at your banquet. When the speaker ends... If it's a good speaker, that meter is pegging out at its absolute peak. Literally, every second that passes from that point on is heading in a down direction. So remember, immediately means immediately. Do not take the time after your speaker to launch into a mini speech. Your folks in the audience don't want to see that. They are ready to give. They're ready to get the checkbooks out. They're ready to write a gift to your uh, to your ministry. Also, do not show pie charts. That Do not, after your speaker's done, come up and make a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation to the group showing pie charts. Do not bring up a testimonial at that time. If you have a testimonial, do it prior to your speaker. Don't bring up a testimonial after a speaker. It confuses people. The emotional meter is already pegged out. Then it starts to drop. Then you bring up a testimonial. In, in a lot of folks' minds, when the speaker's done, the event is over with. And so you need to make your appeal immediately. And also, never, never, never make apologies. Like I saw at one event, where the MC literally got up, started to make the appeal, and said, I know this is the time of the ev- evening no one really likes. And I just looked around, and I thought, what? I mean, this is the time of the evening you're asking us to be generous and to support this great ministry of what you guys are doing, and you just told me this is this is really the worst part of the entire evening. Uh, that's crazy. Don't do that. You you should make the appeal immediately. You, it should be a heartfelt appeal, and you should ask people to give generously. But do it when the emotions in the room are at their absolute highest. Now, the third tip. Have a proper response method for each guest and lead them through the appeal. This is where 90% of banquets go wrong. I can't stress this enough. You must have a proper response mechanism for the gift. Do not just put a plain envelope on the table and say nothing about it. Do not just passively ask people to consider a gift and then close the event with prayer. And you're hoping people after prayer will will, will put a check in the envelope or whatever. Don't put a card on the table with small levels suggested or maybe even one level uh, and just consider that, the, the appeal for the evening. You must have a strong response mechanism with levels that go from low to high. And you must include fields for their information. 
offer them options such as a credit card or a bill me. You must also ask a guest at each table to distribute the response mechanism to every guest and then collect them when everybody's done. Now, if there are privacy concerns, you encourage people to write the check, put it in the response mechanism or envelope, and fold it and hand it back to the host at the table. Okay, it's an easy way to handle that. You also have to take time and explain in detail what you're asking people to do. Your MC, the person making the appeal, must literally walk through the form slowly and explain in detail what you're asking people to do. I know that I've been at events where the appeal was just so confusing, I had no idea what they were asking me to do. You know what? And you must also have a large envelope at each table and that all the responses at the table can be handed to the host or individuals can put it in, them, in, in the envelope themselves if they're more comfortable with that. But put it in one large envelope and then explain that you want all of those envelopes turned in to uh, specified people throughout the room or put it in the center of the table and then people can pick it up immediately after the banquet. You have to be careful with that as a banquet coordinator because I've seen events where caterers will rush into the room as soon as the closing uh, banquet uh, prayer is done and will literally start taking stuff off the table and throwing it in the trash bins and stuff like that. You don't want an envelope from your table full of checks to be grabbed by somebody who's clearing tables and throwing into a trash. So you have to explain to each table host what they must do with the envelope. Every time my wife and I attend an event and see these principles ignored, we always leave wondering how much funding was left on the table because supporters were never given the clear opportunity to give generously. We have seriously attended larger events where I will guarantee you uh, 40, 50, 60,000 dollars plus was left on the table because the guests there were not given clear opportunity to give. They were confused. People don't like to be confused at the end of an event. The speaker's done. Emotion level is at a high. People want to give. Give them the opportunity to give and give it to them with clarity. Now, here's a fourth tip, and this is critical. Keep an eye on the time. Resist that temptation to plan a program that tests the endurance of everybody in the room. You may believe that it's time to throw the kitchen sink at your guest and that folks are coming and they don't mind being there for three or four hours to hear everything that you can possibly throw at them. I'm telling you, that's not right. Your guests don't want to be kept all evening to hear story after story after story. What, what your guests want is they want to be inspired. They want to be inspired, and they want a snappy program that isn't too lengthy. Uh, you know, they don't want to feel rushed. You've got to find that sweet spot of, of where your banquet timeline needs to be. But I know there's the temptation, particularly if you have a whole planning committee. If you have 10 people on the committee, you might have 10 different ideas of, of what you want to do. Everybody gets an opportunity. Everybody gets their pet project thrown into it. And before you know it, your project, your, your banquet, I should say, has ballooned out to where the timeline on it is such that you're losing people. You're absolutely losing people. And when we talk about the emotional meter in the room, you're draining people emotionally uh, when you keep a program too lengthy. Now, there are some simple ways that you can keep a timeline in check. Okay, so if you just say we hope that we're going to keep it under two and a half hours or whatever, uh, but you don't do anything proactively, you'll go over that all the time. You'll, you will constantly go over. You'll never hit that, that mark of what you're aiming for. Here are some ways you keep your timeline in check. Number one, you write out the timeline beforehand and you stick to it. Everybody who has anything to do with the banquet has a copy of that timeline. Everybody in the room uh, who is in charge of the event from the MC to the producer to the people at the sound booth, 
everyone knows what the timeline is, and you are pledged to stick to that timeline. Second thing you can do, you have one person in the room in charge of the timeline and nothing else. This person's sole job for the evening is to make sure everything stays uh, on the timeline, on the agenda, as planned. If, if, there, have to, if there need to be decisions made uh, to shift things around uh, because the time is starting to run way over, this person needs to be given the authority to do that. This cannot be the person who's also running around talking to guests, running around with, with food uh, issues, running around trying to talk to the caterer, running around trying to do all this. It can't be the one person doing this. One person who's in charge of the timeline and nothing else. Give them the title uh, program producer, their job, keep it on time, one person. The other thing you need to do is give clear expectations to your speakers. Let your speakers know you have 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes or whatever you're going to say if it's keynote, 10 minutes or 5 or whatever it is, and then you instruct people back at the sound booth to give a signal to that person. Maybe it's as simple as holding up a red piece of paper when they're five minutes away, or you put a timer actually on the podium where they can see it, but you need to give clear expectation to your speakers. Here's how much time you have, and you expect them to stick to that time. Okay, another tip, resist. (laughs) Resist giving politicians an open microphone. Um, I've done that too many times myself, and if you give a politician a microphone nine times out of ten, you're going to get a campaign speech that's going to ramble on. Uh, Don't give a politician an open microphone. Another tip, do your interviews with testimonials instead of giving a testimonial an open mic. So a picture a news reporter who's talking to somebody, you want somebody who's qualified and skilled at reporting skills, they can interview the person if you're going to have a testimonial, and that way they control the time. You see what I'm saying? They can control the time. They can pull the microphone back if the person's rambling, or they can cut off three or four questions if it's going too long. But you do an interview instead of just inviting somebody to come up and give their testimony by um, giving them an open mic. That could be dangerous because if that person starts going on and on and on, what are you going to do at that point? Are you going to cut off your testimonials uh, microphone and then uh, create an awkward situation? The way you avoid that, you interview your testimonials instead of giving them an open mic. Now, this next tip is one that is really efficient. And it, it, it's very wise to do this. Use video clips instead of live presentations. There are so many things you could do uh, with video clips instead of having to uh, have someone come up on the stage and say something. You can do that in a video clip. You can even do introductions by video. There's a lot of stuff you can do. Use video creatively with your banquet. It helps the timeline to flow. Um, now, it does mean you've got to have somebody in charge who knows what to do with video clips. So it may increase your sound uh, requirements and your video requirements by having a qualified person there. But ask around. I'm sure you have local churches with uh, production people that would be happy to volunteer their time to do that. And so here's the last tip. You have to earn the right to be supported. This should go without saying, but you must show appreciation to your donors throughout the year. You've got to keep them informed. You've got to do great stuff all year and not just count on folks coming one time a year and that's the only time you communicate with them, and then you're going to see them next year. You have to earn the right to be supported. You know, none of the other tips will help your organization raise more money if your organization isn't viewed as an organization worth supporting at a high level. Your guests need to feel appreciated all year long. They need to see what you're doing 
all year long, develop relationships, communicate with them. So when they come on banquet night, they're looking forward to what you're doing. They're looking forward to supporting you and they're looking forward to being inspired. So if you'd like a sample of a good response mechanism or any information on any more of these tips that I've given to you, feel free to contact me at podcast at lovetimes2.org. That's all I have for this week. We'll be covering some more tips in the weeks ahead. So I hope you will find this uh, useful and always remember change the culture and the politics will follow this has been 139 the official podcast of love times 2 join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org that's love the letter x and the number 2.org thanks for listening